HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Roberta's Pizza. Thanks so much to TechSurf for bringing you this wonderful show and this wonderful station. Um, so today we're here um, with a special guest, um, two of them actually. We have Michelle Maisto, who's the author of a new memoir called The Gastronomy of Marriage by Random House. Just Hi. came out. Hey, how's it going? Great. Thanks Good so much for coming. Oh, my pleasure. So Michelle's book is all about um, food, love, and marriage and Unfortunately, your husband, Rich, couldn't make it today. No. He's working. I, I think, or, he, yeah, I think yeah. he's there. <laughs> <laughs> he could be somewhere. Uh, anywhere. So instead, I brought on my one of my good friends, Matt. Hello, Bagdanov. Hey. Hi. He's one of my favorite dating coaches, personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you're also quite a foodie, too. So. Indeed, indeed. Home cook extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just going to, you know, talk about Michelle's book of course because this is your new this is your first book yeah yeah so it just came out in september and it's my first book and why did you choose to talk about food first of all i love the cover it has if you guys want to check out like the cover it's these summer squashes that are kind of entwined like they're in this loving embrace yeah little swan squash (laughs) (laughs) no they did a really good job with the cover nice so Um, Oh. I, I think, well, I think food has just always been a topic for me. It's always been the most natural thing to write about. I come from a family where that's all we talk about. You know, you're washing the dishes from lunch and you're talking about what to make from dinner. It's um, Food is always the topic. So I think that was very natural. And then um, it was a really natural way to talk about just being in an interracial relationship where food was really one of the biggest, uh, maybe things that were different between us, but we both really related to it. Food was a big part of both of our families. So... Um, and when I talk about issues of identity and marriage and the interracial thing, food was just a really natural thread through all these things. So food just ties into everything kind yeah, of in life I and think, family, yeah, relationships. 
That's great. I can definitely relate, especially with growing up with a food-obsessed family. Um, I think you said somewhere in the book that every holiday was based around food or oh, family absolutely. getting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There are the special things to make for each holiday and um, even the, the ways that we go about celebrating, celebrating it. And maybe one holiday has its special breads and one has its cookies. But yeah, food was a big part of it. Interesting. Special breads. Oh, that's something yeah. I haven't explored. <laughs> and I, I think I didn't even realize until um, Rich and I got engaged and moved in together how much... Um, our identities were entwined in the foods of our families that... Uh, but very different foods of yeah. your families, too. Exactly. So there's a whole other... Um, that's fun. And yeah. Honest. So when we were dating, food was this, um, you know, a big part of our courtship and a big way that we got along. We, you know, both really enjoy eating. But I think once we moved in together, um, you know, and in your home, you want to be comfortable and you want it to be you. And so suddenly in this area where we had so much in common that it was a lot of friction because I think we were both sort of oh, setting a stake both... in the ground for our own identity and our okay. own ways of doing things. Maybe you're both like kind of the alpha cooks and you're like, what yeah, I'm is... afraid that was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Interesting. But eventually you got to work together in the kitchen. Yeah. I think we came to some compromises and uh, sort of figuring out the things we could eat together because I didn't eat meat, but he did. And... You know, oh, I that's could a big thing. Yeah. Digest a roofing sh- sing, uh, shingle, but you know, too much tomato sauce gave him a stomach ache, things like that, and um, just even his metabolism is crazy. He can eat, he can eat a box of donuts for breakfast and be fine, but you know, pasta every night, sort of, I'd pack on the pound. So you know, there's just this like dance we were doing through everything, trying to figure out what to eat. I think this is really neat because a lot of people equate. Uh, relationships with a lot of dining out experiences yeah. whereas yours is sounds like it's totally cooking related well and I, maybe and that was maybe not totally, part of the problem maybe because <laughs> you know when you're dating you do go out a lot and then when we'd host each other in our own apartments um you know maybe you're more accommodating and like oh that oh i don't care make whatever or oh that sounds good or you make something you know the other person likes but then when you're at home all that sort of goes out the window and you sort of want what you want i think Maybe that's what it is. It's like you're stepping into someone's territory. Yeah, this is the way. But you know, that's part of hospitality, I guess. You gotta. Yeah. uh, Somebody has. I mean, it's somebody's kitchen at first, not both. So. But so when you start a new apartment together, maybe Uh, it's just um, finding, you know, figuring out. It's a territorial thing for sure. Sure, I I remember that in roommate situations. Did you ever have lots of roommates and you have to share a kitchen, Matt? I know you have like three roommates. Yeah. Is there like a is there a cooking boss of the apartment and generally, I mean. Luckily, two of the uh, four people in the apartment, including myself, uh, two of them don't cook at all. Um, The only. They'll bring them takeout every once in a while. I think that this is pretty so, normal, typical yeah. Yeah. in and, New York. Um, and me and the other roommate, we've lived in the apartment both for five and six years, respectively. Uh, we have a really sort of sweet relationship at times. <laughs> Just this morning, I was like, oh, hey, Ryan, we need a new uh, egg frying pan. Like, what should we get? Stainless steel? Should we get uh, cast iron? Oh, so, you guys split a... Pl- uh, yeah, we, we split hmm. the nice. cost of all of our cookware because we're the only two people who cook in the apartment. Um uh, and at times it does kind of seem like we're in some sort of marriage. <laughs> do you, do you <laughs> clean equally? Are are you both good at cleaning up? Very good. Because that's yeah, a big yeah, deal. Yeah. yeah, no, and especially because there's four people in a very small apartment with a very small kitchen. Um, you sort of have to wash your pots and pans after you cook because mm-hmm. otherwise the next person who comes invariably like 10 minutes later he wants to cook dinner. Uh, we'll have to deal with it. So it's just a courtesy thing. And, and since he and I are the only ones who actually cook, 
works out pretty well. Actually, yeah. that's an interesting topic. Uh, who cleans up after what? Because I feel like even though if you cook a nice meal, it, say it's your apartment, if the other person doesn't rise to the challenge and say, can I help? Can I oh, clean totally. up? That's totally, I don't know. Yeah, we Even definitely... though it's my sink, you know, I want you to clean up because I just cooked. Do you <laughs> yeah. ever get that? Uh, just this morning, um, <laughs> actually. Uh, me and my lady friend were making uh, huevos rancheros, which is a good standby for us. Uh, and it's my kitchen, and I usually do the cooking, and I usually love it. But this morning, I was a little uh, hungover and not in the mood. So I was just like, ugh. You have to make it this morning. And she's so great. And she would have. She's the kind of person that will cook the food. And then as soon as the other person starts trying to wash the dishes, she'll get kind of uh, upset. Oh. She'll be like, no, so no, no, guess- no, let me do it. Let me do it. I'll do it. It's, I mean, that's just, uh, I think it's a little too much uh, courtesy. But And so I just do it without even saying anything. Good man. Yeah, yeah. No, we definitely, whoever does the cooking, the other person does the, the cleaning up. up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I, for me, even if I'm the person who winds up more often than doing the cooking, I don't feel like, you know, the slave in the relationship mm-hmm. or something. It feels definitely more balanced. Yeah. So it's funny. We were talking about like morning after meals and breakfast meals with like a with a date uh, on a couple shows ago, and uh, huevos rancheros. How do you how do you cook that? That that sounds like a kind of perfect <laughs> morning. Oh, such a good hangover uh, treat. Um, <laughs> Well, and I also had a bunch of tortillas left over, so it just made sense. Um, the funny so thing... So it's it, tortillas, beans? What yeah, do you, what I, do you, I mean, there's a there. million... Do you remember uh, David and Shayna and their yeah, obsession sure. with it? And they had a whole wall of, like, every single Huevos Rancheros they ever ate in New York City. <laughs> it's, it's, that's adorable. That is... A, oh, why eat out Huevos Rancheros when you can throw together so old tortillas, leftover yeah. chips from the night before? And some eggs. That sounds yeah. pretty cheap. Yeah. Well, yeah, what else is in there? Chilies? What are you doing? Well, that's what I'm wondering. What we do is we do, um, you know, we cook garlic and onions down um, with the, um, in a pan, olive oil, and mm-hmm. then we add beans and jalapenos. So you make sort of a, re- not a refried beans, but a black bean dish. Uh-huh. Um, that's one component. And then just uh, some fresh tomato salsa with cilantro, lime juice, uh, that more pepper, good. you know, uh, more jalapeno. That sounds like a good wake-up Oh, it is so good. And then um, good cheddar cheese. Uh, well, I mean, you could do like uh, queso blanco or something like that to make it really authentic. Mm. Um, okay. Could you could you poach the eggs in sort of that like simmering was, tomatoey thing? Mm, yeah, you know, that's, what, is, what do they call that? Um, Chilaquiles? Yeah. Or cornhova? Well... That's. Mm, I was actually I on the way to the from the grocery store. I if I would have done it, uh-huh. um, Lisa was the one who helmed the uh, frying pan this morning. If I would have done it, I was thinking poached. Oh, that's so it would have been amazing. Yeah. I tend to think that really messy food, like a splattering plate of, you know, runny <laughs> eggs, is so, something really fun to eat oh, yeah. as a person. Yeah, they have to be sunny side up, so you the know. yolk drips all over. Yeah, the scoop it all up. Tortilla. Yeah. For cool. a long time, I was a very separate. Uh, I didn't like my yellow and white separate. I had to have scrambled or something, but I've come around and it's a very good world to be in this like dippy egg yolk mm-hmm. yumminess. And isn't that kind of like marriage? Is that, yeah. The unity of the yolk <laughs> and Who the whites. Very is, nice. Is Rich, did he participate in like converting you over there? Or to the no, I, I felt like I could territory? see how much people were enjoying it. And it was one of these things where I could see it was a good thing and mm-hmm. I just had to sort of like 
force myself to eat it enough times and then come around. Calvin Trillin in a... Not Calvin Trillin. In The Man Who Ate Everything, Jeffrey Steingarten yes. writes out, if you eat something eight to ten times, you know, our yeah, food aversions right. can be overcome. So <laughs> I just kept eating it like, I know this must be good. Like, this, right. Your palate just fat. can keep evolving forever. Yeah, I think it was a weird little kid thing I had to get over. Right. But, uh, yeah. And it sounds like you change a lot your palate in taste and cooking styles throughout this book. Um, you mentioned that it's an interracial marriage. Yeah. Um, your husband. Well, you're, first of all, you're Italian. I'm Italian, okay. yeah. My dad was uh, born in Italy, and all four of my grandparents are from the same village in southern Italy. Um, mm. uh, so, yeah, the, I mean, the foods my mom knew how to cook basically were the same things my dad had grown up eating because their mm-hmm. mothers were schoolgirls together in Italy. Um, so I came from that, and the richest parents um, are from China, and his mom's a fantastic cook. But it was all, you know, lighter dishes, several dishes, uh-huh. you know, but different tastes. There's a lot of similarities in technique, at least, between yeah. cooking Italian and Chinese. Um, quickly cooked, those little noodles. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Even things like um, like we eat frittata a lot, which, um, you know, is sort of, there's Italian versions of that, and sort of like, I don't know if you'd call it an egg foo young or something, but definitely egg binding different things together, savory things. Yeah, eggs things not just for breakfast, eggs, yeah. eggs and whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because um, I'm half Chinese, and one of the, th- like, first foods my mom really liked was Italian food because ah. spaghetti... And it was just so more, it was a lot more intuitive. Like you stir fry vegetables with garlic, just in both cultures. That's mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. simple preparation. Um, and things are, te- things tend to be quickly cooked, I think. Yeah, and very, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, good Italian food is, you know. Fresh ingredients. Very fresh, yeah, little done to it. Um, so. Even things like risotto and, I mean, Rich calls it rice gruel, but. Um, rice gruel? <laughs> like congee or something like this, you know, with. Rice dishes. Maybe oh, that's that's sort of, there's he tries to make parallel. that leap. I'm not totally sold, but all right. So actually, yeah. if you guys have any questions, I'm talking to the listeners today. Um, you can call in. The number to call is seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. We're going to take a musical break, and we'll be back in a second. I've got 
Hey, you're listening to Cheap Date. This is Kathy Arway, your host again. And we just listened to uh, St. Vincent. That was Marry Me John. That's because we're talking with Michelle Maestro, uh, the author of The Gastronomy of Marriage. Sorry, Maestro. Maestro. Sorry. And so anyway, this is Heritage Radio Network brought to you by TechServe. Actually, you can call in if you have any questions. The number is 718-497-2128. We're also here with Matt Bagdanoff. And we're just talking about dating... um, and cooking together, some huevos mm-hmm. rancheros um, talk just mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get back to your book, Michelle. Um, so, because one of the things, like you were saying, it, it kind of food just intersects all your interests mm-hmm. and you know your marriage, of course. But um, I this this book is about so much more than just food. But you do get a lot of specific, you know, recipes in here, right. and they're all very diverse because. Um, there's some like from riches heritage and it's just it's just a really beautiful and I love this um, the shopping too I mean maybe I'm such a dork I, I just really like shopping for food me too but <laughs> your descriptions of going to the green market and then finding some I don't know it was like you describe the uh, Brussels sprouts on the oh, the stock on the stock <laughs> as you know really eye catching and appealing. Oh. Um, so that's really fun. And so what else do you do? So you wrote this book. What, you know, what are you working on now? So I wrote that book. Um, I'm working on a blog that's called uh, themarketreport.net. And uh, basically it's 45 green markets in New York. And I feel like we only ever see our own. I thought it would be cool to visit other ones. So oh, I know this blog. And, um, oh, how cool. did I just figure that out? <laughs> um, and basically just talking about what's seasonal, what's out there, and talking to the, the different farmers totally. and things like that. Um, do you, do so, you have like podcasts of the farmers? No, but that's a good idea. Okay. I have to. I've just been sort of getting my feet wet with yeah, it. But sure, I, I'd love yeah. to do more um, profiles with the. I mean, right now I just really chat with people as I'm buying stuff. But I would love to do. Oh, I'm right um, there with deeper you. Profiles with them, and yeah, I think people really want to put a face to the, what they're buying, and mm-hmm. we're in this time of more accountability with your food. I think people like knowing the source. Um, sounds been interesting to me, and really, I just love. You know, I'm already missing the plums from summer, you know, like going every week and seeing, mm-hmm. you know, what's what there is new, what's gone and, um, you know, realizing how fleeting it all is and enjoying it when it's in season versus feeling like we can eat strawberries year round, which, you know, they're crummy year round and they're so exciting in June. Well, they're so. only around green markets in June as far yeah. as I'm concerned, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unless you want to go the, you know, down the street to the conventional store and get these oversized like and balloons white and watery, that yeah, are white and gross. yeah they're totally different yeah so do you like to scour different green markets in the city or do you go to like union square which one well my closest? main one is uh grand army plaza me too um, oh Yay. which is a, which is a, I, I love it <laughs> um but no i go to union square and for the blog i've just been visiting all these ones i've never been to um which has been fun. really what's what's um, a good one that i need to check out i like uh Zuccotti Park, um, down by like Ground Zero. I'd never been there before, which is kind of a neat. Um, you know, it's like business people buying one apple, and then people who live nearby, <laughs> yeah, you know, crowd, stocking up. Yeah, so different crowds, crowds are different totally places. different. Um, the Fort Green one is a really nice, long, snaking one that goes along the side of um, the park in Fort That's Green. That's a good, concise green um, market. Yeah, and the woman who sells at the New York Beef Company at Unisquare told me to go to the one in Inwood on a nice Saturday. That awesome. um, I guess that's right on the water and it's beautiful. So I keep, I keep. That uh, is fun. I need to get up there. Well, I, I got it. I can't wait to read all about your adventures. Thanks. Or, uh, yeah. Marketreport.com. The marketreport.net. Dot net. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. 
So that, that and that's a way that our our eating has changed a little since the book. We definitely try to be more seasonable, seasonal, um, looking out for like genetically modified foods, trying to stay away from that kind of stuff. And right on. Um, I think it just is the compromise too that we finally found sort of a, a small repertoire of things that we can make without too much argument like, or going back and forth. That sounds good. Because um, yeah. I'm sure you're pretty busy. So what's what are some of these things? Um, usually things that you, you can put meat in or leave out of. It's good to yeah, have a handful right. of those. Are a you still of, vegetarian? You know, I do eat a little meat mm-hmm. now since uh, the book. We, for our honeymoon, we went to Argentina, and I felt like that's such a big meat culture. I should, I should you know, I was be missing out. And it was right there, and it's local. And so now maybe, you know, once or twice a month, I eat. Grilled in front of your face, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it's, like, local. and yeah. <laughs> Really, you're, you drive out of town, and they're all, all the cows are, like, standing right there. <laughs> on the pampas, so happy cats. Um, right? yeah. yeah, you're like, okay, yeah, I can do this. Sounds like local, grass fed, you know, nor hom- hormones. Then okay. I feel okay about eating it. So, yeah, but like um, pastas, risottos, frittatas, we eat a lot of. Um, sometimes even just having a big salad and then sort of eating, um, you know, like uh, sort of tapas style with like some chopped up boiled eggs and whatever different vegetables are in the house and some cheeses and olives and oh, it good bread. Oh, sounds like you eat pretty well. But th- that's like such a simple thing to do. That's sort of just like clearing out the fridge kind of meal. Um, but yeah, I've sort of uh, converted Rich to salads. He's never... Chinese people apparently don't eat salad. Maybe maybe you know this also. Right. Or, yeah, or cold things. Yeah. Um, I had some friends. I've learned. <laughs> I had some friends from Taiwan visit me for a while and uh, they were like, why do people eat lettuce? And they were like, Everyone thought it was strange when because we fry lettuce. I was like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, the, oh so they stir fry lettuce like uh-huh. romaine. Whenever they see it, they're like, "Why would you eat that raw?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all bizarre. Um, but yeah, salads. I thought totally. Rich was exaggerating when he told me this, and then he actually had an uncle come from uh, China, and he got off the plane, and it's this huge journey, and we're like, "Are you starving? Did you eat on the plane?" He said, "No, I didn't eat anything. They only served us salad. Like, even like <laughs> oh, you know, all this huge flight, and he still wouldn't dare touch the salad." Oh so, man! So, what yeah. is something that Rich may have lent to your? Uh, I definitely am a decent fried rice maker now because of rich can't go um, wrong that's always a good and steaming lesson. a whole fish i never would have attempted that before but um that's a really easy thing to do like just stick in like ginger and garlic um and some herbs in there and uh cook the whole thing that's and what i love to do with fish too so good yeah yeah a lot of people i think are a little bit uh puzzled about what to do with fish and i try to recommend that as a the head freaks them out i think at first i oh, think that's gosh, like, yeah. takes a little getting used to it. Okay, but, well, uh, what do you think, Matt? Do you like whole fish with the head and its tail? Mm, no, I'm, I'm the kind of guy. I, it's, it's not that it's that difficult. I just don't have any cookware that would support a whole fish <laughs> like that. Small sardine? Small sardine. I, I usually do, um, I like cooking up tuna steak. Mm. Really rare. Okay. Super pink on the inside. It was just, you know, nothing. Garlic, okay. maybe. Or uh, a little bit of citrus. So I like to ask folks, what is their like favorite romantic de- meal to make, um, or what is your ideal um, dish that? Y- or was there a dish that kind of like our meal together that like really sealed the deal for you and Rich or for um, you and Lisa? Well, I write about in the book the, the first time we had our first date. We were friends for a long, long time, and then um, suddenly I think something clicked. Uh, some tequila helped that, but then suddenly something clicked. Oh, and, uh, okay. Yeah, so then we went on our first date, and at the beginning of the meal, he ordered uh, a souffle, and there was an asterisk on the bottom of the menu saying, you know, you had to order it in advance. And so 
um, that he was the kind of person who recognized that and ordered it. For some reason, this really I was I realized you know we were on the same page as eaters, and I really respected that. And so because he took it really seriously, he took it seriously. Yeah, it wasn't wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Something he realized this was going to be very good, and we should get this. Not that he, you know, was going to even turn down dessert at the end. Okay, but um, yeah, we're also as unromantic as it sounds. um, You know, for like New Year's, sometimes we'll get lobster or you know rich makes a mean linguine and clam sauce so i think um Ooh. like shellfish is i don't know something we both really like it seems luxurious definitely yeah. yeah i think so but also comforting at the same time a big plate of pasta is not something you know to get too fussy about no thank you slurp it up like you know uh, it's so good and with good bread and yeah cool yeah all right ideal meal for you matt or Pasta well, I, too. I know you're it, into making pasta. Yeah, well, moreover, Lisa is into, and she wants to uh, perfect her art and start her own little pasta business. Ooh. So I bought her one of the little Atlas um, pasta rollers and cutters. Um, Did you see this new book that came out with all the pasta shapes? Oh, what is it called? It came out last week. I'm forgetting the name. But the Alice made me think of it. But it's some little old lady in Italy. And even, you know, she does the coins and the witch hats. Yeah. Oh, and I read oh, about that, them in the Times. Times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, she saw that article. And she showed it to me. And she has a couple of books. One's like the Bible of pasta. And the other one is the um, encyclopedia or something. Some other sort sense. of... Pasta is uh, huge, huh? Yeah. And um, so... And, you know, she learned her uh, tricks out in Italy, actually. She lived there for four years. Oh, nice. And she did this crazy walk from Bologna to Florence. Oh. Some, some, some... A pilgrimage. Wa- <laughs> exactly. Some wacky guy did this little trek um, by himself and walked through the forest. Um, and he would stop off at these little um, houses along the way that are run by these old, like, old Italian mothers, oh, grandmothers... Man. And basically, he was like, "Share with me um, some of your authentic dishes, some of your like some of the family recipes." And so they would, and then he wrote about them and published this book. And you can, you can go to either Florence or Bologna, and you can follow his path. Oh, wow. and you can go to those. <laughs> now our all the little yeah, grannies like, like, "Okay, pause to that." Look book. it up. Look it up. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Jack. Um, hey. I actually found that first book, The Pasta Shapes. It's called The Encyclopedia of Pasta by Orera Zanini de Vida. All right. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks. Get to work on that pilgrimage one, because that's really (laughs) amazing. But you could go. You can do the same walk and go to the same houses and talk to the same old Italian grandmothers and and get cooked a meal. And they let you stay for free. I'm surprised these grannies gave up their info. Yeah, you know, it, they usually keep it close to the chest. <laughs> really? Is that what your no, grandmother well, does, Michelle? Or? My dad's mom. I'm sure she left out like one ingredient out of every, you know, Ooh, recipe yeah. she gave. I, I don't sneaky. think she was a killer cook. I don't really. Think, yeah, I don't think any of the recipes are in there. I think it's just that you go and they uh, right. uh, make yeah. it for you, and then that's the experience in itself. Is you just experience what how authentic it can get. You know, uh, sometimes good cooking isn't really about transcribing it into literature in that form certainly in Chinese cooking there's no history of like recipes that's Mm. just not it's not a it's not a tradition interesting it's all just like pick it up you watch Mm -hmm. you cook you eat it and then you figure it out no that's a good point even because my uh, my mother-in-law she worked she learned I mean her mother didn't cook they had help in the house which I guess maybe 
people did. And so she learned by, she'd be in the kitchen with a family cook and watching him. So it wasn't even like there was a tradition from her mother that was being passed mm-hmm. down. She just learned by watching. Right. And um, eating yeah. and tasting it and figuring out which ones you like. Yeah. Best. I'm jealous of this pasta so, making though. I've never <sighs> tried my hand at it. I think, uh, you have no idea how amazing fresh pasta is when no. it's made like 10 minutes before. I think one know? of my seminal food memories is my grandmother's ravioli that would just melt in the mouth. And we'd take these long car rides every Sunday out to Brooklyn. She lived in Bensonhurst. And, you know, as a little kid, it just felt like forever. And it was totally worth it for these ravioli. So I think uh, that'd be the greatest thing to be able Can to make. Can you make that, Michelle? Ravioli? No, I've never tried yeah, making it's... handmade pasta. She, I mean, yeah, she was incredible. Does it... your girlfriend make ravioli? Can I come that's, over? <laughs> that's the I'm gonna work on. This is the part of the business I'm gonna work on the ravioli and the tortellini fillings. Yeah, and then uh, she rolls out the pasta. So yeah, we should have a big old dinner party. And All right, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, drop off some business cards. And <laughs> I wish I had something to plug for her, but uh, oh. it's still in the preliminary, preliminary stages. Cool. Well, it looks like pasta is definitely one of the winning dishes so far in terms of people just loving, you know, to cook together, eat together with somebody special. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Uh, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> well, so much about cooking is caring for people, right? That you feel loved. Even with the cleaning up, I think I feel very loved when somebody does that. Mm-hmm. But uh, cooking is like, I think that's why it was such an also uh, natural fit for marriage, because it is a way that we show love. Yeah. I think. And pasta is so cheap and simple. I mean, yeah. when you, you know, not, it, it varies what, what you put in it, but pasta is typically, typically a yeah, pretty yeah. No, we do it like beginner a, food. If you have a handful of good olives and then the like drained canned tuna and some chili flakes, you can make like yeah. a puttanesca that's so good and so quick and cheap. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, um, Michelle and Matt. So fun to be here. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. So check out the gastronomy of marriage. There's so much more to it that we didn't get into today. But thanks again. And thanks so much for um, Jack Inslee, our engineer today, and everybody at Heritage Radio Network, TechServe. And I'm Kathy Arway, Cheap Date. Come back tomorrow at Monday, 1 p.m. See ya. Don't worry.